Hey, welcome to Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed, and if you're just joining us today for the very first time, I want to say welcome. Depending on how you are listening or where you're listening from today, my hope is that you are experiencing community, that you are surrounded by friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and a house church as we go through God's Word together. As we gather together, we dive into God's Word, we engage with it, we discuss what we heard through it, how it is speaking to us, maybe individually, maybe as a family, maybe as a house church, or maybe corporately. It stretches us to really press into the text in areas that maybe we would have just skipped over or intentionally avoided. By hearing how someone else uh, might be wrestling with a passage, it might even spark something inside of you to say, hey, I've been there, or hey, I'm struggling with that exact same thing, and this is what God is doing in me. Family, we were designed to be in relationships, to be in community, and we're encouraged, comforted, and strengthened by helping one another apply the truths of God's Word and the realities of our everyday lives. And here's the beautiful part. We get to do this together. So if you find yourself alone today, who is it that you can share it with right now to say, hey, would you just listen to this with me? Share it with someone right now. Would you just listen to this with me? And then watch and see what happens as you ask that person, hey, what did you, what did you hear out of this? What, what truth uh, did you hear today? Or, or what is God saying uh, uh, that he wants to do inside of you? Share that with someone. Go through it together experience community. We've been going through it all, through all of God's Word together, and we find ourselves in the wilderness here in the book of Exodus. If you're just joining us today, you can catch up by going to our YouTube channel, Miami Valley Church. But like I said, don't do it alone. Share it with someone. Follow up with them. See how it hit them. See how they wrestled with the text. If you have your Bibles or mobile devices, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 32, and maybe you're listening today, uh, like we said last week, and maybe you've never read God's Word. Maybe uh, you've never even had a Bible of your very own. Uh, family, there are great apps out there, and I'm sure that someone in your house church today could help you uh, get one of those free Bible apps on your, on your phone, on your mobile device, but we would love to give you a free Bible of your very own, would you reach out to us at start at miamivalley.org and we would love to give you that free gift and to come alongside you and pray with you as we go on this journey together. So uh, Exodus 32, if you have your mobile devices, Bibles, let's go there right now. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. And last week we started in this verse, we engaged in God's word as house churches around the concept of waiting. The question was, how well do I wait? How have you done this week? Have you, have you been more cognizant of how you wait? Have you learned anything about yourself or have you found any areas in your life where you are struggling with patience? How's your time been with God this week? Tell him about it. He wants to hear it. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to speak life into you to show you the best path for your life. Are you tired? Are you feeling worn out? Are you losing hope? Go to him and find rest. Look at that verse again, verse one. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt when the people 
saw. When the people saw up to this point in the wilderness, uh, this section here of scripture that we've been we've been going through, we've witnessed this back and forth, this interaction between God and Moses and Moses and the people. And we just see this back and forth, this interaction we've read where God says to Moses, hey, tell the people, this is who I am. And this is how I want them to, to live. And Moses relays God's message and the people answer back. And it's God revealing himself. He's, he's showing who he is. And the people respond, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. And there's this great back and forth. It's, it's wedding-like. Remember, we've been looking at this, this back and forth, this conversation. It's, and it's, it's wedding language. The bride and the groom saying, this is what I promise to do. And remember with me, God invites Moses to come up the mountain all the way up to the top. And remember, Moses goes all the way up and the rest of the people, they're, they're at the bottom of this mountain called Sinai. And as Moses is having this amazing intimate interaction with God, getting the instructions for how they are to live and how they are to be his people, this is where we are in the story. Right here, Exodus 32, and it's almost like there is a scene change in the story. It's almost like the camera tilts down uh, to just focus on the people and what they're doing here at the bottom of this mountain. And it's almost as if God and Moses are out of the scene. Now the dialogue, now the interaction is solely between the people and Aaron. And it's as if in this time of waiting, the people, Moses, it's almost as if the, that, that Moses has abandoned the people. They say, uh, where, we don't know where this fellow Moses has gone. And for the first six verses here in Exodus 32, one could argue that God is no longer in the scene. But family, is that really the case? Is there really sufficient evidence to back this up? Does God ever really go missing? But so often in life, we, we find ourselves believing this this lie. We cry out, God, where are you? But I think the people really believe this, that he is no longer in the picture. Look at what they say. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Yeah, they do. They say he is the one who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Where is Moses at? He's gone missing. And just like we talked about last week, when they find themselves questioning this, Family, they are waiting. And in the waiting, they are growing impatient. They are starting to worry. They are, they are starting to doubt. And they are beginning to lose their hope. They're, they're sadly losing their faith. And as we read this text and engage with it in this story, something about this should sound familiar to us. Something that we've already looked at. And I, I believe this is what the author is wanting us to pick up on. Remember back with me, to this place called Eden. Back in Genesis, it was a place of beauty. It was, a, it was a place where right there in the middle of it, a place where God made this garden. And in this garden, Scripture tells us that God placed man, Adam and his wife Eve, and he spoke to them and he spent time with them and he walked with them. And God warns them. He says, they may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, every single tree in the garden, except the one of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Did you catch that? You can freely eat of every tree in the garden, every tree, just not this one. 
there is this dialogue back and forth. There's this, this conversation, this interaction, this back and forth between God and Adam and Eve. And then the very next scene, family, the very next scene, there is a new character, the serpent. And now he begins speaking to them. And although his name and although God's name uh, is not brought up, one could argue uh, God is no longer in the scene. Although, although that they, they reference, did God really say, and they, they talk about what he told them, one could argue God is no longer in the scene. He's no longer in the picture. But, but is this really the case? Does God ever really go missing? But family, I think here that Adam and Eve believe this. Because in their case, Scripture says that in the cool of the evening, in the cool of the evening when the breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. They had to think God was out of sight in order for them to hide from his sight. They had to believe that because they couldn't see him, he didn't see them. But what's interesting here is when they think God is out of sight, he is out of the picture. Uh, it says in verse 6 of Genesis 3, the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took the fruit and ate it. She was convinced. She believed. She saw. She wanted she took. It's the same pattern we see here in Exodus 32, and I think that's what the author here is wanting us to pick up on. That, hey, this pattern, the same trap that we fall into, this is what's happening here. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us, who don't, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt, their minds were made up. They believed that God was out of the picture and it says they saw. They saw how long it was taking. Come on, they said. They wanted, they wanted something to fill that void, to bring them instant gratification, instant joy. They didn't do well in the waiting and we'll find out quickly that they fell. They fell into the same pattern. They fell into this trap. They were convinced. They believed. They saw. They wanted. They took. They were weary in the waiting. Their faith was fading. And in this moment of weakness, they took their eyes off of the very one who had just told, who the very one who they just told, we will do everything you say. I want you to visualize this with me, the, the wedding scene, when the, the bride and groom give their vows to each other. Think about what that picture looks like. In our culture, the, the bride and groom, they, they come forward and they stand face to face. They are literally staring at each other. You're observing every little detail about the one who is standing right there before you as you say those wedding bells. And as you are getting to know that person intimately, uh, you, are, you are staring at them. You know every little detail about them as you're gazing upon them. The way their eyes look, the, the way that their face is shaped, and, and the way that they are speaking, you are just looking at every single detail. You are learning so much about them by just looking at them. But what happens is, is when you take your eyes off of them, what happens? Where do your eyes go? Where do you find yourself waiting? How well 
do you wait? Here in Exodus, the vows have been exchanged, and by now, uh, the scene seems to have changed. It would appear that the groom is out of the picture, and the bride finds herself waiting. Her eyes are no longer fixed on the one who was before her, and family, pay attention. When we find ourselves waiting, we can easily grow weary, and when we grow weary, it becomes extremely easy to lose hope, and our faith starts to fade. And when we lose our faith, we begin to believe that God is out of the picture, that he is no longer in sight. And, we, and when we believe this, we then focus our sight on something else. We begin to look around and family, this is dangerous. Our eyes will deceive us. When we lose faith, we start believing that God is no longer in the picture. Our tendency is to begin looking around. And what we see are the things that we can actually see. We put our faith in that. That's what happens. We, we start to look around and we say, this is what we can see. So we're going we're gonna to put our trust, our hope, our faith in that. In Genesis, it seemed as though God was out of the picture. Eve was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, no longer looking at God, who is beautiful. But instead, now she's looking at the tree. She's looking at the fruit, the forbidden fruit, the, the fruit that God said, do not take. And when we stare at something beautiful, we begin desiring it. You crave it, you want it. Think about that in, in our lives today, social media. The most beautiful, the best images of, of people just putting their best out there for others to, to look at and to gaze upon. And, and we find ourselves beginning to stare. We find ourselves beginning to desire to be more like them, for our lives to look like that. We want it, we desire it, we crave it. What happens is, is we end up becoming weak. We give in to our flesh and we reach out and we take or we allow it to take us. Our time, our attention, our thoughts. It captivates us, it takes us. And we fall into that trap. We fall into that trap, family. Let me ask you a personal question today. What are you staring at? These people in the wilderness, it's almost like they believe that God is out of the picture. So instead of focusing on him, instead of, instead of putting their gaze upon him, they begin to look around. They want something, they crave something to take his place so that they, they reach out and they take and they make their own God. Isn't that just mind-boggling to think about? Just, for, just think about that. How do you make a God? We all do it, we're all guilty. It's something and it's anything in our lives that takes his place that gets our attention, that ultimately gets his glory. And this is exactly what the people want to ask Aaron for. They ask him, they say, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. They had a God right there. They had a God right there before them. And not just any God, but the one true God, the only God, a personal God, an intimate God, a relational God who was speaking to them, the very one who heard their cry. The very one who heard them when they were slaves in Egypt. The very one who, when they were under the oppression of Pharaoh, God heard them. And it says that he was concerned. Psalm 77, starting in verse 13, it says, Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. 
When the Red Sea saw you, O oh God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The cloud poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flash. Your thunder roared from the, from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, a pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people among the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. This is their history. This is what they've gone through. This is, this is everything they have experienced. But instead of keeping their eyes locked on him, instead of, instead of putting their gaze on him and waiting on him, they quickly turned from him to get to the next thing, to get to the next best thing, to get to the, the thing that they can see. And this is where we need to just to focus at today. When we find ourselves in the waiting, where do our eyes go? Last week we asked the question, how well do I wait? Where am I growing impatient? Where am I losing hope? Where am I, where am I starting to lose my faith? And family, the question this week is when we find ourselves in the waiting, instead of focusing on him, where do our eyes go? Are you trusting your sight or are you living by faith? Are they focused on him, believing that, that he will speak? This people here who at the bottom of this mountain, as Moses has gone up to spend time with God, He's, he's told them, this is how you are to be my people. You are, you are to, to be a holy nation. You are to be set apart. You are to be a kingdom of priests. And this is how you are to carry my name. But are they focused on him, believing that he will speak, believing that he will show up at just the right time? Family scripture tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible this is what he wants. And when we focus on anything else, when we, when we start operating by sight, this is dangerous. Family, I believe there is a valuable lesson in here for us that God is trying to teach us as he is speaking to us through his word. That when we find ourselves in the waiting to keep looking at him, to set our sight on him, to set our gaze upon him, to praise his holy name. When we stare at him, our natural reaction should be to praise him, to praise him for all that he is, for all that he has revealed to us about himself. God, you are unlike any other. When we set our gaze upon him, when we set our sight on him, we have to praise him. God, you are so good and you do good. You are powerful. God, you are unlike any other. God, you are the one who speaks. God, you are the one who listens. God, you are patient generation after generation. You are so patient with me, God. God, you are a rescuer. You have rescued me. You have taken me out of darkness and brought me into this wonderful light. God, you are jealous. You want all of my attention, God. You don't want me to look around. You don't want my you don't want my divided attention. You don't want me to look over here and to look back at you and to look over here and look back at you. God, you want all of me. God, your love is unfailing. You, you are always there. God, in the highs and in the lows, you are always there. Your love is unfailing. God, you are just. 
God, you care about those who are oppressed and those who are put down. God, you are just in your ways. God, you are provider. When there is no way, God, you provide a way. God, you are a sustainer. You are the one who, who gives me life. God, you sustain me. And family, when we focus on him, when we praise him, we see the joy in waiting. We see that there is joy in the waiting. Family, there's nothing better that we could rush to or, or that we could look at or we could, we could scan uh, around to, to see what, what we could settle for that would ever be able to take his place. How do we wait well? We trust the Lord and we do good by keeping our sight on him. When our sight is on him, we praise him and we see the joy in waiting. And family, I believe he is speaking to us right now individually in our hearts. As all of us are, are maybe waiting on something. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's uh, something personal that you are going through that you just find yourself in this waiting or maybe it's as a family maybe it's as a house church maybe it's as a community maybe it's corporately as we wait on the Lord keeping our eyes focused on him setting our gaze upon him and when we do that we are are trusting him we are trusting him even when it seems like he is out of the picture family he's never out of the picture He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to, to fully put our trust in him, to not look around, to not look at how we can take a shortcut, to, to not look at what we can just jump to next. He's waiting on us to see if we really will trust him because at just the right time, he will act. Family, he's speaking right now. Do you hear it? I pray that right now, as we engage with this truth, that it would do something in us. Let's pray right now. Almighty, most holy, God, you are unlike any other. There's, there's no other gods. You were the first and last, God. There are no other gods. You are the one and only. You are the one true God. God, nothing... Nothing can be made to take your place. You are the creator of everything. The very one who brought chaos into order. And God, as we listen to this text today, as we engage with your word today, your truth, we, we see here how these people so quickly grew impatient how they turned from the very one who, who rescued, the very one who heard them, the very one who delivered them, walked them, holding their hand right out of Egypt. The very one when they came to that sea and there was no way, <laughs> you made a way, God. Who is like you? The one who provided all the way through the desert giving them water out of the rock and raining, raining manna down from heaven, providing. God, that is who you are. 
the very one who spoke to them, who said, this is who I am. I am personal, Yahweh, I am. I want to be relational with you. I want to walk with you. I want to lead you. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people, to be set apart, to be a holy nation, to be a kingdom of priests. You are to look different. The very one who spoke these things to them. And yet just when we think that you're out of sight, these people here, they, they turn so quickly. They turn to the next best thing. They turn to something that can, can fill that void to bring them instant joy. God, we find ourselves in that situation all the time, quickly turning from you, quickly going to the next best thing. God, in the waiting, we find ourselves growing impatient. We find ourselves growing tired and just worn out. But God, your word tells us to wait on you, to be still and know that you are God, that you are working. And so right now, God, I pray that that truth would just be driven deep into hearts of individuals all over this valley right now, God, all over this community, all over the world who are engaging with this truth right now, God, that it would be driven deep inside of them, whatever situation they were going through. God, that their strength would be renewed as they hear that waiting on you, waiting on you, you will give us strength. You will renew our strength. God, just hearing that, that we are to be still and know that you are God, knowing that you are God means knowing that you have it all figured out, that you, that you are working, that you are actively working, and that you have the best plan. God, may that encourage that person today as they, as they hear that truth. God in homes, over mothers and fathers who desperately want their children to either know Jesus for the first time or to come back to him. As they find themselves waiting, God, I just pray that that would encourage them to be still and know that you are God. Know that the work that they are doing by just, by just trusting you and doing good, by being faithful to just share that truth, and knowing that you are the one ultimately, God, who, who does the work in their heart, God, that they, uh, just by putting their trust in you, that they would see, God, how you uh, call us to live, to trust you, knowing that you were doing the work. God, for families, for, for communities, God, for us corporately, as we wait for you, God, I pray that this would just encourage us that this word would, would encourage us at, at just the right time, God, as you wait on us, you are waiting on us. You're waiting on us to say, Lord, we trust you. And not just to say it, but to actually do it, to be a people who say, Lord, we will wait on you. Whether it's an hour, whether it's a day, whether it's a decade, whether it's a lifetime, Maybe we won't even see it. But God, this is what you call us to do, to wait on you, to trust you, that your way is best, that your way is perfect, and that your timing is absolutely perfect. God, we're reminded that Jesus, he's coming back. 
the groom is coming back for his bride and we look forward to that day we find ourselves waiting as followers of Christ that he is coming back and so while we wait God may we wait well trusting you and doing good just as you have called us to do may this word be driven deep into hearts right now and may it do things may it change us to look more like your son in Jesus' mighty name we pray Amen.
Thank mm-hmm. you.